hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, I just wanted to do some housekeeping before we hop into the episode this week. I am so grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. Um, And I will continue to release episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific. However, I am going to start releasing bonus episodes as things are timely. I've had an incredible opportunity to interview people all over the world. So I want to share as many of these episodes as possible. So if something feels timely and I compare it to a previous interview that I've had, I will release it. Um, So look for those bonus episodes on Friday. um, And thank you everyone for all of your support. Please like, share, comment, tell a friend, etc. And if you want to be a guest, as always, just email pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope everyone enjoys this episode. My guest this week is social media influencer Candace Horback. So let's just hop on into it. Hey, how's it going this morning? Good. How are you? Oh, I am just waking up. It is 8 a.m. and and you're on the East Coast. So um, I'm just, my quarantine body is like, why are we awake? To my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Candace Horback. Candace, would you like to give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, um, your 30,000-foot overview? Sure. Um, So I'm a social media influencer. I got my start from being in the adult industry. I was in it for about 10 years. Um, I'm a new mom. I'm a wife. I'm also trying to reinvent myself a little bit right now and kind of like rediscover myself. I'm starting a new business, a new podcast, um, a lot of new happening over here. So I'm trying to be very busy during quarantine. I love to cook. I'm a huge foodie. I'm kind of dipping my toe into things that are all like mystical and spiritual. Um, That's me in a nutshell. I love that. That's super interesting um, coming from like the background that you have, but also um, same, love food, love cooking. I've kind of been treating quarantine as like uh, what's in my pantry. Like I'm just going to treat it like a chopped championship every day. I love that. <laughs> like last night I made um, I made nachos and I called them like everything in the fridge nachos because <laughs> I was like, this is all going to go bad. We might as well just throw it on chips with cheese. So Why not? Um, yeah, I've been, I've been really enjoying the quarantine from like the cooking aspect, especially when this all started with the shutdown. Um, the fact that everything was out at every grocery store. So I was just buying things I wouldn't normally buy because I had to, to make do. Um, but yeah, uh, it's also interesting having like a psychology background and being a social media influencer. Um, I've been uh, in the social media industry for about 10, 11 you know, 10-ish years now, um, working on the marketing side of that. And so it's interesting once you kind of like start to pull away and peel away that onion layer, like kind of what you discover about yourself. And, and I really think that's quite beautiful right now. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. I Social media is, I, someone described it as a social experiment that we all jumped into with our, without our consent and without knowing <laughs> what's going to kind of happen in the next 10 years. I think that there's a lot of like beautiful opportunities that can come from it. And I think that there's also a lot of dangers that come from, can come from it. So I think it's like trying to navigate the waters in like the healthiest way possible and to use like a lot of these new advantages that we have. And then also like being cautious of things that we might not be like aware of yet as like a society. Cause like social media is so new. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was interning, cause I started out as an intern, this was like 2011 and they like brands would have a Facebook page, but they're like, we don't know what we're doing with it. <laughs> and I was like sent in like 23 freshly minted me, like to, to go explain the ROI. And we didn't know what that even was back then, the return on investment for even mm -hmm. having social media. And now it's like, if it's not even a part of your strategy, then like, what are you doing? Like the boat has, the ship has sailed. You're not even on it. Mm -hmm. like, but even so now, like the way I look, think about it now versus where I would give it like such a big position in a marketing strategy, I'm now like, this is just supplemental to like whatever you're doing. So yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, we really don't know like what's going to happen with all of this. Just, everything changes like, on a dime. Right. So and you, it's hard. It's almost like the more successful you get on social media, the more like careful you have to be just mm -hmm. for like your own mental health. Um, because it can be, it can be really crazy out there. Yeah. 1000%. Um, and I always like tell people on the show that like, we can never compare ourselves to people's like highlight reel. Cause everyone mm -hmm. has a blooper reel that we're not seeing. And mm -hmm. I think like the dangerous part of like Instagram and all of that for, for small, for, for, for females is that like, you know, you see all of this like influencer, um, thing. And I, what I like about your Instagram and stuff is I just saw a real person who has like a real life. Um, I was able to relate to you. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's kind of what I was like aiming for. And it's funny because I would have a lot of like these very successful, um, I guess I'll call them brands, even though like they're individuals that were like, don't do that. Don't share too much. Don't like, that's not a pretty photo. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? That's not going to get your engagement. And of course, like if you post like a scandalous photo or if you post a photo of you at like, you know, a five-star resort, like that's going to get the most likes because that's what people want to fantasize about. But I think that there's something really important about showing like the more raw moments and showing like the unfiltered moments, because I think that, it, it's almost like this like refreshing kind of feeling that we have when we see something like that posted. And I think it's like something that we're craving that we might just not know yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of feel that on my same end, like I choose to be very transparent, like about mental health. Like I, I, I've talked about it in, in, in excess on my podcast that like I always advocated for therapy, but now I'm going to therapy and there's certain things I'm learning about myself through, through my therapist, Justina, she's awesome. Um, but <laughs> I also like, I've always been very transparent with how I feel about political things and how I feel about my activism and how I feel about myself and my and, and, and I've always found that those posts tend to do better because I'm being 100% real, raw, and honest. And I think that that's kind of where social media is going because people no longer want this like filtered, edited to, mm -hmm. to hell like thing because in quarantine, no one's traveling. No one's going to these resorts. Mm -hmm. Things are not happening. We're all casting this finger of judgment, but it's, there's something to be said about being real and authentic and true to ourselves. So I love that. Um, and it kind of lends into the topic at hand, the elephant in the room, which is imposter syndrome, which is what mm -hmm. the podcast is about. The feeling of, you know, being found out of a fraud and all of that. So I will start with the first question, which 
always resoundingly seems to have the same answer. But do you feel like you have it all figured out? Definitely not. And I think the more that I try to figure it out, the less I have it figured out, if that makes sense. Um, I think like as you kind of become like more self-aware, then you just like realize a lot more like shortcomings and like places to grow and maybe like kind of see like your future self and like where you want to be. But I was reading a quote recently and it like really resonated with me. And it was saying that like once we learn to blossom where we are, then we can grow where we want. And I think that has a lot to do with just like looking at your life with like a lens of gratitude and like appreciating like the now and where you are. And then once you get that, then it kind of like leads to future successes. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, I always think about it like the goalpost is always moving. So Mm -hmm. I love like what you're saying about like how you can like introspect and grow and flourish where you need to. My great grandma was like ahead of her time. She was, you know, um, (laughs) in the 1930s and, and all that and helped raise my mom and my great grandma would always say count your blessings one by one you know that sense of gratitude and see all the wonderful things god has done and whether or not people are religious that doesn't really mm-hmm. matter but i always kind of carry that with me is that if i can't like look at the things that i have and be grateful for them and then look at the things that my shortcomings and figure out how to grow as a person then then i'm not really doing myself a service nor you know anyone in my life a service if i just am content with with just the status quo. So for me, it's always a a matter of kind of learning and growing and continuing to like learn about myself and kind of how I see the world and how I impact the world and others. And so um, I definitely by no means feel like I haven't figured out, but I think that that's the key to success and the key to life is to constantly be evolving with what you're learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A growth mindset I think is like crucial just to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. So that lends into the topic at hand and the elephant in the room again, which is imposter syndrome. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? And in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? So imposter syndrome to me is feeling like you don't belong. Like it's just a matter of time until um, maybe like the veil is lifted and then you're found out to be this fraud. And I think that that can show up in like any realm. Like it doesn't matter what industry or line of work you're in is, is you just feel like the sore thumb. Like for some reason, like everyone else actually belongs in the room and you don't. Um, And I find that a lot of people like that suffer from this or that have experienced this, they're often like really qualified and they do belong in the room. And for some reason, it's like, we don't give ourselves like that pat on the back or like the credit that we deserve. And that's kind of like where it starts to, to blossom or like to form. Um, I feel like I used to have it a lot more and it's like something I've been actively working on I would say like for the past like 12 months or so, um, especially like being a a new mom and like trying to like rediscover like who I am and like how I fit into like these different like little societal bubbles, like the mom groups and then like the charity groups and the country club groups. Like there's just like so many like these tiny like little pockets and you're like, oh wait, should I actually be here? Um, So I feel like the more that I'm like learning to look at life like with gratitude and like appreciation, the less that I'm having like these moments of like feeling like an imposter, but it definitely still shows up. And then I have to try to like dig into that and say, well, like why, where are these emotions like actually come coming from? Are they valid? And then 
the more you like look at it and the more you critique it, the more you realize it's like ridiculous. And probably almost everyone suffers from this at some point or another. And it's just saying like, we all have our shortcomings, but you know, like you did great this quarter if it was like for sales or like I was an awesome mom this week, whatever it is, like just like recognizing like your small wins, I think is really important. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally like to dovetail off of that. Like for me, like my worst fear in my career, uh, I was, I, you know, I flew very close to the sun. I got to become a marketing director, which is, you know, awesome for being a woman, being a woman in marketing, being a woman in advertising. I worked very hard for that. I, and I, even when I got that title, I was like, when are they going to step in here and be like, we found you out, you need to leave. Um, and even when I lost my job, you know, COVID, all of that, I, I still like was looking at my, not, not necessarily my shortcomings, but I still didn't feel like worthy of what I'd accomplished. Mm -hmm. And so similar to you, I've been working really hard on kind of being able to accept the things with gratitude and be like, I earned that. I'm proud of that. Um, and it's funny because I have a, a podcast about imposter syndrome and yet imposter syndrome fed into whether or not I wanted to launch this. And I started out just asking my friends because I didn't feel like I was worthy of speaking with anyone that had a bigger following or mm -hmm. someone that would be more influential or even asking like celebrities or people I admired. And the whole goal was to get there, but I was so terrified that they'd be like, oh, you're just a tiny like little garage podcast. Like we don't want to be on here. And it's been interesting kind of watching myself battle those imposter syndrome feelings mm -hmm. um in all facets and you're right it's a very human emotion it's a very it, it doesn't it's not so much just in you know sales or being a mom or whatever it's it's so human mm -hmm. and when i started i thought it was very gender specific when i started i thought it was very maybe it was sexuality based or it was you know gender fluidity or gender you know comparison but now i'm realizing that it's superhuman and it doesn't it's not just women, it's not just, you know, people who um, struggle with their sexuality, it's not just people who are struggling with their gender identity, it's actually everyone, including um, straight men, which I, which originally I hadn't thought because there was this machismo effect where they weren't telling me that they felt this way. And now I'm starting to hear more and more that this is actually a thing among everyone. Oh, and it's, totally. it's amazing, <laughs> actually. Yeah. My husband and I talk about it all the, all of the time too, because um, he actually suffers from it all of the time. And a lot of people would be shocked because he seems like this, like very confident, like just like I guess like stereotypical version of like a man, mm -hmm. um, and like has it all figured out from the outside. And he's like you know going to these rooms with investors or like tech events, and he's like, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> what am I doing here? So I think, I think everyone at some point or another has like suffered from this. And I think a lot of that is because we just aren't like giving ourselves enough credit for some reason. Yeah. 1000%. And you brought up something that reminds me of my own life. So you brought up like this pocket of mommy groups and like being a new mom and like, what was this, what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, am I, do I fit in here? Do I fit in there? And I'm a military spouse and um, mom groups and military spouse are very similar because um, anyone can be either one of those, right? Like, well, not anyone, but you can be a mom. Um, right. But then you have to figure out where you fit. And in a spouse group, I'm seen as somewhat of an outsider because I don't have children. I valued my career. And the norm in the spouse community is to be okay to be dependa or dependent on your partner. Um, and 
to also have children and, you know, one or two or however many. Mm -hmm. And so it's been hard for me to like make friends in that space because I'm a Navy spouse that values their career and doesn't have children. And so like, I always felt like I didn't fit in in that group. And it's been interesting to kind of like rework that part of me and realize that it doesn't matter if I don't fit in because I know a lot about my husband's career and like what's going on in the command and all of that. And, um, it's, I, it's made it a lot less lonely to realize that like everyone else is trying to figure out their part too. So mm-hmm. I just need to focus on what I'm doing. Um, and I've noticed a lot with my mom friends, they have said like, it's really weird cause you give birth and suddenly like, you're not the same as your friends that don't have children anymore and you have different needs and wants. And I kind of, akin, I think of it akin to like when I got married and I had friends cause I was, you know, late twenties when I got married and I had friends that weren't married and suddenly it felt like a different dynamic cause like they couldn't relate to me anymore. Um, it's like. It's like you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So like you can't explain the unknown if you haven't experienced it to someone who's on the other side. So um, I found the same thing. I, f- I got married before a lot of my friends did. And then your interests just change or like your needs just change. And it's very much the same for becoming a mom. It's like someone that you would see like three times a week all of a sudden hasn't met like your seven month old. And like mm-hmm. that's like crazy because it'd be someone that was like a very close friend, but it, it just, your life paths just kind of divert and it's not necessarily a bad thing either way, right? Like you can't blame someone because like they didn't change, you changed, you're the one that had the baby. Um, But there's like a huge shift and then you have to kind of be like, okay, well, who is this new version of me? Because the old me had all of these friends and these were my hobbies and all of those got stripped away as I became a new mom. So like trying to remold that, it's got to be really difficult. Yeah. A thousand percent. And then like, just similar to like not knowing, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but like figuring it all out and, and feeling like you haven't figured it all out. Like it's a constantly moving and evolving goal pose. Mm-hmm. but you had said you've been working really hard on imposter syndrome for like the last year or so. Mm-hmm. So do you have like any tips for my listeners on like kind of how to like combat that? Oh, okay. So for me, um, I do like a lot of like introspection. Mm-hmm. I do, I was working with this RTT therapist and what that is in a nutshell is um, kind of going back to like your earliest memories and mm-hmm. like unpacking them and seeing how those um, very, what might even seem like a mundane memory can actually like lay the foundation of who you are as an adult and not necessarily in like a positive way. So maybe like you had, um, like a scary situation, like where you just felt like maybe it was like a first day of school, for example, and like you felt like an abandonment from your parents, like leaving you. And that was like, didn't seem traumatic, but maybe it had like this longer lasting impact. And then that kind of like trickles down into like further um, abandonment issues that you had as, as an adult. So it's going back to like these early memories, unpacking them, and then replacing them with more of like a positive um story, if you will. So then you can kind of like jump those hurdles as an adult and like grow past like your own limiting beliefs. So for me, there was a lot of talk of like not being enough and that kind of just like steamrolled into constantly feeling like I didn't belong. Like I was never going to be um, like the best mom or a good enough mom. I was never going to be a good enough wife. I was never going to be a good enough businesswoman. Like 
all of these things, it just kind of like, it was showing up in an ugly way and just like all of these different facets of my life. So when I started doing that, um, that RTT therapy, it really showed me like, wow, like these moments as a small child really had a big impact on me. So we did work with that, with replacing, um, those like negative experiences with new, like positive mantras. I've been trying to, uh, really up my meditation practice, which I'm really bad at, but I think it's like a, it's like a growing and improving, um, concept. And then just like trying to like really focus on gratitude. So like, and that's like inward and outward. So it's like, it's noticing where I do excel and like not being ashamed of like accepting that success. Cause I think for some reason, like we don't, we feel like maybe, um, too like prideful or too boastful if we accept like where we do excel. And I don't know. I just, for some reason, I think we have to tell ourselves it's okay to give ourselves a pat on the back. Like that doesn't make you an egomaniac. I love all of that. Um, RCT therapy hurt me just hearing about it. I was like, I don't know if I want to go back there, but I think that's really interesting um, and beautiful. And also the the psyche itself is just so incredible. Like Mm -hmm. people are so interesting and so wildly like what, what affects us and what we bring into, and I'm learning this through therapy of like what I've been carrying around for 31 years. And one thing my therapist has asked me to do, she's like, what age was that feeling? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I was like eight, nine, six, seven, you know? And so it's been very like eye-opening working on it myself, but Mm -hmm. also just, I agree with you. something that's really been helpful for me is the feeling of gratitude um, and also being in that moment of mindfulness. Um, And there's also like a level of imposter syndrome when it comes to meditation, because um, if you're not sitting on a lotus pad and and, and being with your thoughts for 30 minutes, then you feel like, like I'm not good enough at this or whatever. But there is a level of just mindfulness in the moment that if you can just do it for one or two minutes a day and then just keep growing and growing and growing on it, then you're going to feel a lot better on the, on the out, outcome and the outpath of that. So Mm -hmm. I always try to, at least for five minutes a day, try to be sitting in my, in the moment and be practice mindfulness because I have ADHD. There's no way I could sit and meditate. (laughs) I'm going to find a squirrel and go follow it. (laughs) So I, um, I, I've, I've definitely actively tried to like find an activity or find something where I can just be totally mindful for like a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And that's been really helping me kind of with just my feelings about myself and stuff. So I think it's beautiful that you're doing all this amazing work for yourself and it's going to make you the best version of you for your son and in your marriage. And so I love that. I love it when people are working on just being awesome. So so that lends into success and um, success looks, what, what success looks like to me is going to look different to you, but Um, I love this question because everyone has a different idea of it. So what does success look like to you and do you feel successful? So success to me is, I think it's an ever evolving thing, but I think for me personally, it would be um, having a sense of fulfillment from my career, having a sense of fulfillment and purpose in my personal life. Um, Obviously like being happy, which is like not to say you're going to be happy 24 seven because that's an emotion too. And those like come and go, but like overall being a happy person, um, I would say like having like those immediate people around me that I care about, like 
that they're happy and that I'm being supportive of them and they're being supportive of me. And then just like constantly growing and challenging myself and um, just like learning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there, like about just the feeling of just joy, happiness, kind of being able to choose those emotions more times than not. Um, and being okay with choosing that, like that in is in and of itself is very successful. Um, and for me, what I've started to realize with success is that I only feel successful when I'm living my passions and my truth and I'm doing something that directly aligns. And I'm starting to realize that imposter syndrome is so deeply ingrained with when you're doing something that doesn't really speak to your soul or your psyche. So, you know, maybe I felt that way in my last career or in my career in general because it wasn't meant for me. And so I'm starting to realize that, that the more your, your soul is going, what are you doing? You don't belong here. And it's kind of all, almost like this like pathway to figuring out like what's truly going to align to your passions. So right now from the outside, um, on paper, I would seem successful in my personal life. I feel successful. Um, and with my marriage, I feel successful, you know, on paper, we own a home in San Diego. You know, I love, I love my husband. We have a good, good marriage. We have an amazing little puppy, Bourdain. He's awesome. Um, but also I, but then I, every day I wake up and I'm working on this podcast and it's energizing to me because I'm doing something that I told myself I could never do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something that I was too afraid to press the button and launch and I have not gotten negative feedback. My imposter syndrome hasn't spoken up since starting it. And every day I'm learning about someone new and I'm doing something that's making a change in the world. And I'm letting myself feel those feelings of success with regarding that. And you know, I, to me, like how you would measure it is just different because I don't have like a billion downloads or listens or subscribers. But what I relish in is that I'm having people come to me and say, I'm 50 years old. I didn't know what this feeling was. This explains my entire life. And now I'm getting help to feel like I belong or I'm getting help to feel like I'm doing something right. No, I think that's great. And I think a lot of times um, people are like, oh, should I even like send this feedback? Are they even going to read it? And I can like, I couldn't agree more that when I get a message of someone like saying how I helped them in some sort of way, it's like all worth it. You're like, okay, even if I helped one person, like this entire thing was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a saying that if this podcast helps one person, just one person that I'm doing my job. And so I'm like, I'll keep doing it. Like no one's come to the microphone and taken it away and go, please shut up. (laughs) Like no one wants to hear what you have to say. But I also um, feel, you know, the success I'm feeling in my personal growth and career and all of that is just that I feel like right now I'm giving back because when I'm not doing this, I sit on a board of directors that helps um, an LGBTQ, um, well, an organization that helps fund LGBTQ homelessness in San Diego that helps out through the Sunburst Youth Housing Project. I also um, work on, you know, my, my community's improvement council to make sure that there's opportunities for everyone because I live in more of an impoverished area in San Diego that's up and coming, but just mm-hmm. making sure that that charm of the city continues. And I'm also very active in the BLM and Black Lives Black, Black, Black Lives Matter and Black Artists Collective to bring murals worldwide for Spray Their Name. So there's a lot of stuff that I do that I feel very fulfilled doing that I didn't get from um, a career that gave me a basic salary. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I think that's really important. I think it comes down to fulfillment and mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, especially if they, let's say are not quote unquote, like successful financially, they think that that's going to be attained by like a specific dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you talk to anyone that is like, you know, very successful financially, they'll tell you that's absolutely not the case. Um, you can make a million dollars a year, but if you're not, it's very possible to make a million dollars a year and not be fulfilled by your work. Mm-hmm. And that will leave like such an, a hole in your life. And then you're going to constantly be struggling. And I kind of think the more money you make, if you don't, if you're not getting fulfillment from that specific line of work, it's harder to get out mm-hmm. because you can't justify leaving that kind of money to go pursue a passion. So oh, absolutely. It's so tricky. Yeah. Well, my husband, so my husband's in the military. My husband um, enlisted at 18 years old. Then he got his degree when he was stationed in Naples, Italy online. And then he commissioned, he was going to get out, but he was like, Oh, I'll just throw my hat in the ring and I'll, I'll go to can- officer candidate school. See if it happens. Gets commissioned, was on his way to get out of the military, uh, had a full career that was waiting for him on the other side, went to officer candidate school, um, commissioned in 2013, made more money than he's ever made in his entire life. Makes, mm-hmm. I mean, like he tells me about like, I, like I see our finances, but I, I will never, as a female, first of all, I will never make that much. Um, and he, you know, I, I can say this in confidence, hates what he's doing. And his oh. whole thing is I have to stay in 20 years. And he always asks me like, what should I do on the outside of this? What should I be doing on the outside of this? What am I supposed to be doing after this? And, and it's like, no one's telling you, you need to stay in 20 years, but he knows that he won't feel fulfilled, so to speak, unless he stays in that mm-hmm. full 20 to get his pension. So mm-hmm. at sometimes there's a level of like, at what cost, right? Like, you know, you see some people that they make so much money, um, you know, make, they, they're pulling six figures. They're these incredible salespeople. Um, they're doing these amazing things, but they are just the most miserable people you've ever met. And I'm not saying my husband's miserable. He's found his joy outside of work. He's real. He's, he's made a clear connection between who he is at work and who he is at home, um, which a lot of people in the military cannot do. Um, and I akin it to my, like I, I, I equate it to myself where when I was in my career as marketing director, I was making about 20 K less than someone in that career should be making with the promise Mm -hmm. when I took the job that they would be paying me that full salary by the end of the year. Well, that came and went. And, um, I continued to have tasks put on my plate, put on my plate. And I said, yes, yes, yes. And I continued to do them. And it got to a point where I was reaching a breaking point and I asked for more. And I said, I cannot do this without more. And or, or you expand my department. Those are the two options. You pay me more or you expand my department. And I asked my worth and unfortunately COVID hit so they could not pay me my worth. But I was finally mm-hmm. thinking that I was even taking interviews elsewhere. I was taking interviews elsewhere that were not batting an eye at my amount of money that I was asking for. And I mm-hmm. was trying to find a place that would value me. And it goes back down to, you know, yes, pandemic and all of that, but it goes back down to even if I'd been making that money, I wouldn't be happy. That would not make a difference. Yes, they would be valuing me monetarily, but did I value me? Do I value me? And do I value my time and my efforts? And am I doing things that make me happy? And it's taken me 10 years of a career to realize that like, honestly, I could be making $0 so long as I'm making a difference. And that was like mind blowing to like realize this year. Yeah, I think for me, what I had to do is, so I spent a very long time in the adult industry and Mm -hmm. 
on like the surface, there's definitely not a lot of like fulfillment that comes from that. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know what I mean? Like there, it's just not set up for that. Um, so it took a really long time for me to kind of like look at it with a different lens. So in the interim, while I was trying to like figure out like, how do I become happy? Like I was making a lot of money. So, you know, the finances weren't a thing. Um, I had to try to find my fulfillment outside of my career. So that was like step one is like not expecting like this one channel to provide everything for me. And like, cause that just might not be possible for everyone. Like you might not be able to have the career that pays you and checks off every single box initially. Like you kind of have to like craft that. Um, and then once you kind of craft like what you want, like I feel like then the opportunities start showing up or maybe like you start taking actions to like, get everything that you want but I think a lot of people find themselves in a career that might not be like everything that they need um so I had to kind of try to find my happiness outside of work and then when I started doing that and then started like trying to really use that lens of gratitude it was really weird it was like almost out of nowhere like I just got an influx of messages a lot from like women um that followed like my other persona and were like I helped them in X, Y, Z, or, you know, like from, um, actually I get like a lot of messages from like military, uh, couples and they're like, you know, you really helped, um, like create like this, like intimacy between my husband and I, while he was deployed. And I was like, wait, so like this thing that does seem like really superficial and obviously does have a lot of downsides as far as like an industry goes, there is some light in there. So I started to like try to like see that because no one talks about that. You know what I mean? We want to talk about the things that all need to be fixed and like the things that are very obvious, but there is this other benefit that does have like this ripple effect and it does help real people outside of the industry. So I started to kind of like look at, look at it through a lens of gratitude. And then all of a sudden these people kind of like came to the surface and like, you helped me in all of these ways. And then I kind of found a different appreciation for what Mm -hmm. I did. And then I felt more like, what's the word, I guess, like confident in my decisions. Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm. didn't feel like so ashamed when I would walk into a room full of like traditional business people. I was like, no, I, I, you know, I do belong here and I am contributing and it might not be in like, you know, the way that you want or the way that society wants, but I have done good. And then I, you know, I do deserve this pat on the back. Yeah. I think also in hearing that, it kind of reminds me of this thing that I've been kind of marinating on is that when you're living your truth and you're a happy person and you're okay with yourself and you're accepting yourself and you're no longer ashamed, people gravitate towards that. Mm -hmm. It's like a moth to the flame Um, because there's something inside themselves that they're trying to work on or fix or want to fix for themselves. And it's, you know, you, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. And so when you start to, you know, people are, cause it's not normal to live and be, and be satisfied. It's not normal to be, unique and lean into that uniqueness and and there, there's so much power in it and i think there's a level of like um you know pied piperness and and once you fully tap into who you are that people just see that they gravitate towards it and they're grateful to have that presence in their life so i think that's something like beautiful to be said about like once you figure out that really it doesn't matter you don't need to feel ashamed about anything you can just be who you are and that's actually mm-hmm. going to propel your career your passions your your light and all the things oh forward it's just a more beautiful thing and then you just really kind of unlock a piece of you that's going to help others so i love that Mm -hmm. 
So I think we've addressed the elephant in the room, which is imposter syndrome. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there. I think you've given some beautiful advice to my listeners. Now we get to the point, <clears throat> to the part of the episode, which is always my favorite part, where I get to learn more about my guests through things that they're fanatical about and unpopular opinions they may have. Um, and so currently I am fanatical about uh, the San Diego Zoo. It is still safely, safe, socially open. Um, we've had to shut some things due to California, just not not flattening the curve. Um, however, the outdoor portions are still open and I just recently went to the safari park and I saw a lot of like flightless bald eagles and they were like so cute. <laughs> it was actually kind of majestic to see them like hop around. So currently I'm fanatical about the San Diego Zoo and all of the beautiful work they're doing for conservation. And I'm so glad that I can still go there once a week with my friend, Christina, who was the first guest of my podcast and her daughter, Lena. We go once a week and it's just magical. So I'm fanatical about all of that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish we had like a proper like zoo over where I'm at. We just like don't. So unfortunately we don't get to go like ravel in like the majestic bald eagle. Um, <laughs> I would say like, so I used to be, my husband and I's thing was like to travel and go to like these like epic Michelin restaurants. Like that was like our treat and the thing that we were just like obsessed with. Mm -hmm. um, obviously that's not happening now. So I would say like, considering like the times that we're in I, the things that I'm you know fanatic about we're building a house um, yeah. so I've been spending a lot of time on Pinterest love it and just trying to like pick every detail and just like really try to like craft our dream home um so that's been a ton of fun um what else am I fanatical about um I'm starting a podcast so I, I'm only yeah. like, three episodes in so like I'm just trying to like watch other people, listen to other people and just like really try to like craft it because I also don't have a background in like communications or radio or anything like that. So I'm kind of like going in and it's like another layer of imposter syndrome because <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm like, who am I to have a podcast? So um, yeah, I've been podcasting a lot, like just like listening to all sorts of categories and different walks of life and just like really trying to find like where I want to be in like the giant sea of podcasts. Yeah. Um, so that's actually how you and I met. We, we, you know, we, you and I don't know each other in person, but we use this service called matchmaker.fm and I've talked about it in, in, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast. I saw a post for it on Reddit and I was like, oh, it's free. Like, it's okay. Like I'll sign up like fully not knowing like if anyone would want to even be on my podcast, <laughs> imposter syndrome podcast, or imposter syndrome, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so similar to you. Um, so I have a, but the difference is I have a communications background. Um, you know, whether or not that means anything, it's just a fucking paper degree. Who cares? <laughs> um, but I, but I also was a radio DJ in college and I didn't really know much about the switchboard or the editing or anything. And, I'm not an editor. I'm not a podcast. Per I, I, I'm a personality on a microphone. I have a microphone I got for $40 on amazon.com. I'm literally using my Peloton issued headphones plugged into my MacBook Air from 2014 and I'm making it work. <laughs> but people are like, you don't say you've never done this before. Like you seem like you know what you're doing. And I, I just take, I, for me, I just take my level of journalism background from like my degree where I, I just, I have a questionnaire. I stick to it. I got that advice that one time that said, you're not sticking to your topic. You need for my friend, Deanna, who's a radio, radio host in Denver. Thank you, Deanna. Mm -hmm. She was like, you're not relating your topic to people. So like, if you, they don't know this corner in Denver that you're speaking about, cause I'm from Denver originally, if you don't know this corner in Denver, you need to dumb it down so that people can relate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been something that I've taken with me episode to episode. Um, but podcasts are just a weird niche. It's just hard because you start it, you don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. Like mm-hmm. I, I fully was like, I guess I'll press launch. And I had to ask friends that had podcasts, like, what do you do? What do I do? What microphone do I need? What am I doing? And you know, even the advice they gave me, I didn't even really take, I I took somewhat, but I, it's, everyone's going to have a different approach to it. But I think it's amazing. You're getting into podcasting because I think you have a lot to say. Um, and, uh, your podcast chatting with Candace is, um, I just love the premise of it. I liked the marketing, the the, the package of it that you did. I think it's cute. Thank and, you. um, and then to go back to your point about Michelin restaurants, how big of an annoyance is it that Netflix came out with all of these shows about food right now that I can't go eat? Oh my gosh. It's like just teasing me. I like, feel like I have like this like massive, like travel bug. That's just like mm-hmm. itching. And I want to like go and have like proper, like a proper dining yeah. experience. And it's like, you don't realize how much you take for granted, like the little luxuries in life that you mm-hmm. have. Um, yeah. so I think like once everything kind of like settles and like we can like safely and I guess like properly go back to normal. Um, I think like people are just going to find like so much joy. I think like hopefully people look at things differently and have like a different newfound appreciation for like the things that they used to do all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And right before all this shut down in February, my husband and I, um, cause we knew he was going to deploy this year. So we live super close to Vegas. I took a weekend off of, like I took a day off of work on like a Friday and we took a long weekend to go to Vegas. And the whole point was to go see Cher. I fucking love Cher. <laughs> and I want to see her because I'm like, I have to see her before she's a hologram. Like she's going to live forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So we go to Vegas. We stayed at MGM. Um, we stayed at an MGM hotel. We stayed at, uh, the Excalibur. Um, and actually like when we got married, we had my like reception dinner at like Buca de Beppo because that's the kind of people we are. Elvis drive through wedding, all of that. <laughs> um, then, and so my husband and I went to Vegas and, and, um, if you're military MGM hotels are really great for that because you get a lot of perks for being in the military as active duty. So we didn't know that at the time we just picked a cheap hotel, but we were like, this is awesome. And we were staying and there's the park and there's Italy inside the park MGM. And that's where Cher was. Um, and unfortunately she had to cancel her show, but we ate at a restaurant, which is a Roy Choi restaurant called best friend. And that is in the park MGM. And it was one of the, because I haven't been able to go out that much this year, it was one of the hands down best meals I've ever had in 2020, of course. And Mm -hmm. it was just so, it was like an experience I'm like, I got to experience the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm I'm just constantly on those Koki tacos in my head. I'm like, I'm going to go back and do it. I just want to go back and do it. Um, and I, I, I've said this a few times, but I feel pretty confident. I think Cher might've had COVID and that's why she had to cancel. Um, but I'm fingers crossed, get to see her before, before she kicks that bucket because I want to see her so badly. And I was so close and it was just such a bummer that I like, didn't get to see her um, live. And so she's still on my bucket list. Yeah, her and Dolly Parton. Amazing. <laughs> Who was the second one? Dolly Parton. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She's great too. I've yeah. never seen either live, but I can imagine it'd be like epic. Oh yeah. Now I'm like, I have to, like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I have to. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I agree. Like I miss traveling a, a lot. It's, it's, and I, I also agree that these, these are little luxuries that like, even, even when things opened up just a little bit, I went to a happy hour, you know, a very socially distant, safe happy hour in Hillcrest, which is the neighborhood of San Diego. It's very LGBTQ friendly. I'm a huge ally for that. 
most of my friends are gay men, like, and, um, or, or lesbians, you know, I have a ton of LGBTQ friends or trans. And, um, we went to a happy hour at a bar that we always go to. And, um, you know, they give you an hour and 30 minute time limit. You have to order food, like all of this, they're handing you a menu with like tongs and, and it was, and it was weird, but it was like nice to feel just a little bit of normalcy, just a smidge. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, so I agree that I think people are going to be so grateful once things like open back up, um, but for those that were strictly quarantining and social distancing as like myself and wearing a mask and all that, I think once things go back to normal, there's going to be a level of appreciation for that fine dining experience and that, and that service industry. Um, and I just wish people would stop ruining it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's a really complicated thing and it's, it sucks because like, unfortunately, like I feel like so many restaurants, so my husband also owns restaurants, um, oh, cool. like a lot of the things that he does, but I just think that, that industry is just going to get hit like in a way that no one's really fully seeing yet. I think just it's, I don't know how it's going to recover. It's really, really tough. So I think we used to look at restaurants like in a very different way. Like it just like was this thing that existed instead of like a very important place in like society where like it's, it's needed, like these human interactions are needed. And they've like done studies um, where they're actually looking at like your brainwaves and like you do not get the same neurochemicals that are being released and like the same like feelings that are released like through a zoom for example like Mm -hmm. you actually have to be in the room with the person so you're like losing like these connections and you're losing like nuance which is also very important for happiness so like hopefully we get it all sorted sooner rather than later just because I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are in that are just like struggling um right now oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I mean but I'm also in California, right? It's Southern California where it's just like the Florida yeah. of the world right now where it's like, yeah. they're like, we're done. And it's like, but no, like you're mm-hmm. not like just stay home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but even so like the small things I get to do that were like, like go to the zoo, you know, once a week. And, um, and it's really tough. Cause I go to a zoo with a three and a half year old Lena. She's my, uh, <laughs> my, my tattoo artist kid. And, and it was 90 degrees on Monday when we went to Escondido, which is where the safari park was. And the reason why we went to the safari park was because the uh, USSS BHR was on fire and um, all that smoke was blowing into Balboa. And we were like, well, we have access to this other part one, so we'll go up north because that's not where the smoke is. So we went and, um, and you can't tell a three and a half year old that they have to wear a mask. Like, we were like promising, right. like, we'll get you a stuffed animal if you just wear it for five minutes. Like, oh my gosh. And, and it's because mm-hmm. they're so young, they don't understand. They also don't understand that I need to be six feet apart. And so that can be like really f- frustrating and, and, and overwhelming for children right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, but even so, like just that little bit of normalcy where I can like have my beer, beer in my sippy cup, like at the San Diego Zoo, like that was and, like very, like I, I cherish that. Um, but again, I think, you know, if we're not looking at like what's going on in the world right now, like that it's absolutely dangerous and like we're taking a risk, even when we think we're being safe, like then we're being crazy. So, um, yeah, I yeah, hope it, it goes. Find your, find your moments of happiness and kind of take mm-hmm. them right now. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think we've touched on things that are uh, beautiful, fanatical, all of that. And I like to ask unpopular opinions. I always say, as long as your unpopular opinion doesn't hurt me or others, we're good. Um, mine is always that I just cannot stand cantaloupe, the, the taste of cantaloupe and honeydew melon. I don't know why. <laughs> cantaloupe always brings its plus one cousin honeydew to the party, but they always come to the fruit salad party and I'm not here for it. So, um, what are yours? 
Oh man. So I would say like on a, I would say probably one of my po- most unpopular opinions is that like most people don't know themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people might get like really defensive. They're like, what? she doesn't even know me. How is she going to say I don't know myself? And I would say like challenge that defense. Like why are you getting defensive? Right. Cause mm-hmm. usually get defensive of things that we're uncertain about or insecure about, or maybe I feel like that's like a little, um, like notification, like, okay, pay attention here. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that's why that emotion exists. So I think a lot of the times like we have like these knee jerk reactions to a lot of like things in life, whether it's like societal norms or, um, like religious norms, whatever it is, like a lot of things we kind of just like do or feel because we were like taught to do or feel mm-hmm. those things. So I think if you like dig into those and like just really like spend some time with yourself, you can find like who you are. And maybe that is like exactly what you thought before. But um, I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time like doing introspective work. And I feel like that is like the most important thing to be like a well-rounded and like happy individual. I could not agree with that more snaps for that, honestly, because right now it's like, you know, when people say like, oh, 2020 is trash, like throw it away. I'm like, wait a second. Like, are we in the same year? Because right now there is no time like the present to figure out who you are and figure out like what you can contribute to the world, especially Mm -hmm. with like the movements going on regarding Black Lives Matter or pride or whatever that might be. That's like a little uncomfortable. Like, why are you feeling the way you're feeling about that? Um, what mm-hmm. can you teach yourself in this moment? What can we learn? And I always tell people, if you can't come out of the pandemic, either being, you know, more human, more creative, coming out with a hobby, something new, learning something about yourself, then you're not doing it right. And it's funny because when people like that I used to work with are like, so what are you up to now? And I'm like, literally every day I wake up and I'm joyful. So that's what I'm doing every day. I wake up and I don't have a care in the world and I feel great. So, um, because I've worked on Yeah. So I agree. Like most people really do not know who they are and they never take that time to figure it out. And I think that that is doing yourself such a disservice. Um, There's just so much untapped potential you can find when you start to live your truth or discover who you are. And if you don't like something about yourself, it is so, it's easier said than done to say it's easy to change it, but it's not hard to change that narrative. Right. Change is never easy. Right. And I think, um, we grow the most when we have the most discomfort, like those things just seem to be related. So it's like learning to like lean into that discomfort, challenge that discomfort, challenge, like what you believe to be true and then try to like discover yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, given the pandemic, kind of in the world, the state of the world, what's currently making you happy in your neck of the woods? So for me, um, I think it's like, it's easy and people that aren't parents probably won't get it. But for me, raising my son, like every day, cause we're like in the beginning, right? I think like mm-hmm. before they hit a year, like every day is just so different. And like, there's a new development. It's like almost like a different part of their brain turns on like mm-hmm. every week. And it's like, like how you couldn't do that before and something is like stupid as like he couldn't pick up a red block you know in the very beginning and now like he's got like this dexterity or like I'm watching like a mind be created and to me like that's just so magical so um most of my like joy and like if I need a break from social media or if I need a break from the news like I just spend time with like my baby and it just like 
just like releases like the sense of calm and awe yeah. and just like joy. I absolutely love that. I think children are are amazing. I think it's like you you also have this time now where you're at home and you're seeing all these things firsthand, which is so beautiful. Like you're not missing something. So again, mm-hmm. to talk about like people being like, eh, 2020 sucks. It's like, wow, but like, are you ever going to get this time back with your children? So mm-hmm. I have, um, unfortunately, like during COVID, uh, quarantine and stuff, um, my senior dog um, got very, very ill and we had to put him down, which was very hard. But we were also planning to get a puppy or we didn't, it kind of just happened. I've been talking to this breeder for forever. I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. His name is Bourdain. He is 12 weeks old. And not to say children and puppies are the same, but they are babies. So they, every, I've had him three weeks now. And each day it's like, either you're regressing, he's regressing in a behavior or he's learning something new. And it's so funny because uh-huh. he's, because you, you see it firsthand. And someone had told me that like, right now is like the worst time to have a puppy because I'm going to want to go and do things. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, where am I going and what am I doing right now besides having time to actually raise, raise, raise a little, little thing. Um, right. and, and I think like, I, I will never get this time back, but there's no time like the present. Like I, I'm not going into an office every day. I'm not having to worry about, um, you know, getting back in time or leaving for four hours and did they go to the bathroom inside the house or the crate or whatever. So, um, I love that. I think it's, I think it's beautiful to be able to have that time and, and learn these really amazing things about your child. And, um, he's so cute. Uh, puppies are the best. Yes. Yeah, so, but I was talking about your child. He's so cute. <laughs> oh, mine. Thank you. Yeah. He's very cute too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. He, yes. <laughs> It was, we, um, we have a German shepherd that we are obsessed with. And before we had a baby or got pregnant or anything like that, we were like, oh, well, we're, we're dog parents. And like, I don't, it's gotta be kind of the same, like the amount of love that you have for this creature. And now like looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we said that. Cause it's just so different. Oh but yeah. Again, it goes back to, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so yeah, unfortunately for, for the dog, he's now like second fiddle by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Yeah. My friend actually has a bunch of, uh, she has two German shepherds and she said the same thing. She was like, I thought these were my babies, but like now I have a baby and another mm-hmm. baby on the way. And she's like, yeah, they're, they're like, they're lower, they're lower tier now as much as we love them. Um, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. That, that adjusts really quick. <laughs> So we're kind of winding down, coming towards the end of the podcast. It's been amazing chatting with you, but I always like to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they'd like to promote. So Candace, do you have something you'd like to promote? Um, I would just ask your listeners to follow me on social. Um, it's just at Candace Horback and it's H-O-R-B-A-C-Z because no one's going to spell that right. It's not <laughs> phonetic. Um, and then listen to my podcast, Chatting with Candace. Absolutely. And as always to my listeners, I include all of these links, descriptions, so you can can connect with Candace and her podcast and all of that in the description. Um, But as we're winding down, Candace, this has been a lovely conversation. Do you have any parting words of advice for my listeners? Um, I would say the biggest thing, especially for like when it comes to imposter syndrome is to just like maybe start small and start with like a gratitude journal and then just like add a few things every day that you're grateful for, um, and including like your own like skill set and accomplishments. 
I love that. That is great advice. Well, Candace, it has been so lovely getting to know you, talking to you today. Thank you, you so too. much for taking time out of your busy schedule with your cute baby. Um, but for my listeners, this has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And you know, if you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, share, all of that. Leave me a rating. Everything helps. Every little bit helps. And if this podcast helps one person, then we've done our job. So thank you again, Candace, for taking the time to speak with me today. And I hope you have thank a lovely you. day. You too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.